0: To us. Fires, touchdown Miami! Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play They get it.
1: What is up Dolphins fans and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. Part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we've got Coach McDaniel back at the podium. We'll cover his media, including captains for your 2022 Miami Dolphins. We'll also get you updated on the practice squad for this season with some camp notes on that portion of the roster and preseason stats. I want to talk some college football. We'll go around the web and see what the pundits are saying at the national level. And with that, the return of scanning. The Social. From the Baptist Hill Studios inside the Baptist Hill Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Captains, oh, Captain, my captain, your 2022 Miami Dolphins captains were announced on Thursday, and they are quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, safety Javon Holland, wide receiver Tyreek Hill, cornerback Xavian Howard, linebacker Alandon Roberts, Offensive tackle, Teron Armstead, and defensive lineman, Christian Wilkins. I look at that list, and I can go back to various points this offseason where each of these guys has just embodied what leadership and what captainship should be on a football team. Whether it's E-Rob on the fish tank and just talking about the way that he kind of brings guys together on the football team, the way players gravitate towards Xavier and Howard, and especially Javon Holland. Remember the the Pro Bowl video last year when X took Javon with him to the Pro Bowl, and those two guys became two peas in a pod, and then Javon, the way that his teammates talk about his game and the way he sees the field and sees the game, the near-unanimous pick of Christian Wilkins for even You know, another big step forward this season and just how important he is to this football team. The way Teron Armstead communicates every dang time he talks. Uh, I saw him earlier today and asked him how he was doing. He said, what do you got planned for the weekend, man? I I talked to him about going to Naples with the family, and he was asking me questions about that. Just a a, a good dude. Uh, The example that Tyreek Hill set. of course, we heard it all summer, the way this team rides with their quarterback, man. Javon had the Intua We Trust tweet after camp one day, we've heard the offensive guys say this is Tua's team, Tua's huddle. You've heard Teron Armstead say that as recently as today in open locker room uh, with the, the media being in there talking to him about those that list of players. So... Really cool stuff. That's your 2022 Miami Dolphins captains. Tonga Viloa, Holland, Hill, Howard, Roberts, Armstead, and Wilkins. Let's continue now with Coach Mike McDaniel who will talk a lot about the process of electing captains. We'll get to that here in just one second. But first, he was asked about having the Patriots poach Lynn Bowden for their practice squad and the worry about changing signals and calls for that. Do you have to? Here's Coach. Uh, no,
2: um, I'm happy for Lynn. Uh, you know, i It was one of the things that I was hoping for, um, uh, you know. During camp, is you invest in each and every player, and then you have to let let guys go, and that their sacrifice and effort is not lost to me. So I'm happy they go to other teams. Um, You know that the I feel like that was a concern early in my career, um, considering that you can go online and. by almost every playbook that i've ever worked on um yeah i mean unless unless he he's uh it no it doesn't concern me at all uh, that's i i would i would assume that they were doing that um because they had exposure to him and not to get cryptic answers because if he has those answers then i'm not that cryptic
1: yeah, very big fan of that answer, especially you know talking positively about Lynn Bowden there as he goes up to the Patriots. But yeah, I mean, you're not doing your job if if you're worried about that kind of stuff because there's just so much information out there. Next, he was asked about how important it is to have the quarterback as a captain on your football team. Here's Coach talking about the election cap process of the captains and Tua Tungavailoa getting the most votes in the entire football team.
2: I firmly believe that. So, captains represent. The players, right? That's the whole position. So, um, the way way we approach it here is that the uh, the players vote for who they want to represent them as captain, and seeing how uh, you know it was a it was a point system, and um, the resounding highest point winner was um, was Tua. I think it says everything. I think that's incredibly important. Um, when it's uh, done with the right reasons, with the right intent. And that was, um, you know, the only, the only thing that I gave the players was, like, who do you want representing you each and every game? Who do you want to wear the C and understand what that C means on your jersey? Um, and, you know, that I think it speaks volumes on um, where he's at with the team and their belief in him. Um, Like all the all the captains that were voted, um, it's a tremendous honor, especially uh, with, you know, in this in a situation where it's 100 percent player controlled. So all those uh, those captain award winners were bestowed that anointment by their peers. And I think that's the greatest honor you can have in a team sport, especially the biggest team sport, which is
1: professional football resounding points leader in the captain voting system you love to hear that about your quarterback and all these guys that are on this captain's list are really you know some of the players with the most i should say accomplished resumes resumes in the national football league so you love to see that too your your, your best players being your best leaders and setting your best examples one of those guys is second year safety javon holland a captain at just 22 years of age Here's Coach talking about how special that safety is in the back end for the Miami Dolphins defense.
2: That's a that's the makings of a special individual. You know his the football world is in front of him. Uh, that it is that that is that is great news for the Miami Dolphins um, when there's an alignment between talent and um, you know respect. You know it's not you, you can't just get that by talent alone it's not a and it's not a popularity contest what you're seeing is a guy that has gotten he's not a rookie anymore and he's approaching the game to be great his expectations are um to be great he holds himself to a high standard and shoot you do that every day your your teammates are like you know it blows my mind that he's a second year 22 year old it really does um while also making me feel very old, because um, that would—I mean—that would put his birth in that 2000. Like what? I was graduating high school around then. So, um, but I think I think that a—it's uh, really cool to see. I it didn't surprise me at all, um, which is even uh, something that um, is even better news because um, day in day out uh, he. Like I told the whole team today, what's so cool about captains is they have to bring it every day. They don't have a choice because, you know, if you choose to just go through the motions that day, you're saying, you know what, I want, I want to be on an average to mediocre to non-winning football team. And none of those guys um, are, are approaching their day, day in, day out process with any of those um, – expectations of mediocrity they're trying to be great and that trickles down to everyone else a lot better than a a really cool speech from a coach
1: next coach was asked about the locker room arrangement as media is back in the locker room now for the first time since pre-pandemic era which is obviously great for for so many reasons but coach was asked about the arrangement of the locker room it's not just with your position group offense and defense and here is why coach said he wanted to do that you guys are going to love this
2: Man, I'm glad you brought that up. I've been sit, I've been waiting for you guys to have open locker room since it was like the first week um, that I was here. So there was, and and some of it has to do with um, with like productivity and stuff. And um, historically, the defense had kind of carried this team, but I had heard from you know I, I get here that first week and I'm interviewing coaches and the players are coming through to meet to introduce themselves, and I kept hearing this commonality with, okay, there was offense versus defense, and this just in the win-loss column is one team. So, like, that and, – and then furthermore, I'm sitting here thinking about, okay, well, if I want players to become as close as possible, to be as invested in each other as possible – Um, why would I have guys that go to position meetings and sit right next to each other, then go to, um, drill work? You know, these are the guys they see all the time. So to facilitate kind of, um, you know, it it, it was kind of a, the first action that I could take to facilitate a better team camaraderie was that, you know what, let's strategically put players within the locker room so that they're, uh, because you spend a lot of time there, like you'd spend, you spend, you accumulate those hours um, over the course of a season, and um, you you should be sitting next to somebody that you're not spending time with all day, um, and who knows what relationship virtues that facilitates. So um, it was that was one of the, like the first right when I got the tour, I made a note. I didn't tell Chris because I hadn't got the job yet. So like I wanted to hold that gold nugget. But then the second I got the job, I was like, all right, talk to Joe. And um, we we moved it around. And I think it's um, paid dividends. I
1: think that's really, really cool. And just another example of coach thinking about all these fine details that can ultimately add up to the sum, hopefully greater than his parts, even which feel pretty good about the parts of this roster, which you're going to find out about on the season prediction episode next week. I just went through and did my records. Feeling pretty good about this football team. Next, coach was asked about the availability of Jalen Waddell for week one. You guys are going to like this one, too.
2: Very, very, very confident. I'm not sure what my scale is, but um, he's taken, uh, again, the whole time, been trying to be extremely proactive. If we would have had a game, uh, what is today, Thursday? If we had a game last Sunday, he would have played. If we would have had a game the Sunday before, he probably would have played. Um, he's getting some reps in practice today, um, and again, that was a combination of uh, a combination of just being proactive and, and cautious, as well as um, something that was an easy decision for me because, like I said before, he's one of he was one of the most impressive players on the entire team, regardless of position, um, from uh, coming back from the break and from the beginning of training camp. So felt very good about where his game was at and that the best thing that could serve him was rest. Um, extremely proactive, getting reps today, and very confident for not this Sunday but the following.
1: Finishing up here, Coach was asked about the defensive line position, specifically the edge, and I think it's instructive here to hear him say this. Quite frankly, the defensive lines, his favorite position in football by far – and the way it can impact a game, and I think that's instructive because here is an offensive coach talking about, you know, what can challenge you, what can threaten you the most on that side of the football, and he believes it's pressure from that front up front, controlling the running game up front. Let's just go ahead and go to coach and hear him talk about why the defensive line is his favorite position group, and wouldn't you know it, probably Miami's defense on the entire roster as well.
2: Yeah, the um, bottom line is, I don't know why this hasn't come up, but my it's by far in football my favorite position is D-line and edge. like I I think they can be um, the most impactful uh, uh, players on the field outside of the quarterback because they dictate the terms that the quarterback um, is able to play on and they establish the line of scrimmage. So I'm of the belief that you can't have too many of those guys. I think um, the more quality guys you have – the the fresher they can play, um, the the more issues they give you for offensively because um, now you're um, preparing for uh, six different um, pass rush moves instead of two that a particular player has. You know the, those type of things, um, and and they can play fresher um, during the game. And it's just such an incredible, incredibly important position that um, I, I'm all for that, and I. If I if I could um, go and uh, use I mean I, you have to talk me out of not trying to pitch to Chris to draft a defensive line e- every year because it's that it's that valuable and um, those guys you know they they really are so impactful in both phases you're talking about the run game and the pass game um, that that. There's not, a, there's not a down that they can't um, really impact the game, and that's, that's what makes that position unique and special to me.
1: So there's Coach Mike McDaniel. You can find the entire press conference up on the team YouTube channel. Uh, always a gem with Coach. Let's go ahead and get to the practice squad and around the web from the media next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Before we get to the practice squad announcement, we have a roster move as the Dolphins sign special teams ace Justin Bethel, who has 135 career team uh, tackles on special teams. He'll take the roster spot of Clayton Fedulum, who was added to injured reserve. He, of course, can come back after four games off the IR. The Dolphins also announced practice squad names. Uh, not complete yet, but we have a good chunk of guys here on the list. You can get sixteen players you 're allotted up to six veteran players in terms of qualifications for playing time accrued, and each player gets three game day elevations allowed so it 's an area that was kind of tweaked with the parameters last couple of years, and I think they 've done a good job of you know a great service by making it this way because now you have lots of veterans who are on rosters where maybe before they would be free agents who you called when you had an injury and then had to onboard them, inundate them with the playbook. But now you can get them in-house in addition to the guys you're really working to develop in terms of young guys. And of course, everybody gets development, but you kind of get the idea. So the practice squad, Kalen Barnes is one of two imports to the practice squad. Don't have any camp notes because he's a newcomer, but I can tell you that he ran a 4-2-3 at the Combine, the fastest 40 time of anybody last year in Indianapolis, a seventh-round draft pick of the Panthers, and fittingly enough, the same pick that we dealt to Carolina for Greg Little, so get that guy back. Uh, the Draft Network says he's a burner who can run with anybody on the outside and a fierce competitor who brings his all on every snap. Just 39 coverage snaps this preseason, but he allowed four for eight of those to be complete in terms of targets with a 66.1 passer rating against in the exhibition season. Ben Stilley, defensive lineman, thought he made a really good push for one of those surprise roster hits. A UDFA to the 53 is rare, but I thought he made a good case for himself. Super glad that he gets to continue developing his game here. I thought his pure strength in that nose tackle role where he would line up and rush over and over again and get knocked back on the center was really impressive, but also his ability to kick out and pressure from that three technique too. He had a sack from that alignment in the preseason. I think he's really worth developing here. Four QB pressures and six run stops this preseason. The six run stops were on just 49 rundown reps. Larnell Coleman, the offensive tackle, exceptional athlete with unreal length, one of the biggest wingspans in the National Football League. And I thought he got better throughout camp. He's a knee bender, which is where you want to be. Don't bend at the waist. And his skills as a college hooper, I think, are evident by that athletic ability. Another guy that I'm glad gets to keep developing his craft here. Just two pressures allowed on 88 pass blocking snaps back in the month of August in the games. Uh, Cameron Good, the seventh round draft choice, outside linebacker from Cal, had some really good work in the preseason cutting down some of those wide runs and showed some metal as a pass rusher as well. That was a deep, deep group there off the edge, and I think that he really challenged to push that group for a spot, and he had seven run stops on 41 run down reps. Porter Gustin, outside linebacker, speaking of depth at the edge, another guy who was frequently in the backfield. I was impressed by his get-off and his second effort ability, rushing the passer where he just refused to quit on any single rep. He had eight pressures, which led the club this preseason per pro football focus. Did that on 53 pass rush reps. Verone McKinley, the instincts for Verone have always been his calling card, the type of guy that you want to invest in because you know he'll do the right thing. Going back to the Dan Campbell mention on the podcast yesterday and, and kind of balancing talent versus the guys that don't make mistakes, right? And he's prepared to learn from mistakes. Uh, he's always a prepared player I should say has a bit of range and he's just a rare magnetic force to the football you saw it in college and a little bit down here in training camp as well and that post safety position oftentimes doesn't really equate to stats and PFF said he was not targeted in coverage in the games but he did make all six of his tackle opportunities Braylon Sanders the wide receiver again we talk about tough decisions and cuts to make Sanders was a guy that Emory Hunt picked on our UDFA podcast as one of his two guys to make the roster the other guy was Cater Kahoo, so pretty good work there from Emory Hunt and uh, he sure as hell made his case really good ball tracking and vertical skills good route runner this practice squad has some potential on it man this guy's another one of them caught four balls and had 11 yak yards on those four catches an average of 2.8 per catch that's a good number River Craycraft, go Cougs, the wide receiver. I think we all saw in that game what what River offers you in terms of a reliability standpoint, Uh, solid hands. He runs really, really good routes. He comes back to the football. Even with that one drop in that game, he typically catches everything. So 2.39 yards per route ran this summer, 8.6 yards per target, and a 60% catch rate. Those will all do. Saquandre White, the running back. I thought those runs late against the Eagles were some of the most impressive runs by a back this entire preseason. Has a good feel for the scheme and the system. Excellent vision to find that cutback lane. And man, he hits the hole hard. He averaged 3.83 yards after initial contact and forced four missed tackles on six runs this preseason. Niles Scott, the defensive tackle who was an in camp addition for like the last couple of weeks there. He's played in six NFL games, all those with the Bengals back in 2018. He's recorded four tackles. Originally entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of Sanford, or with the Niners, I should say, uh, back in 2018. He's been on practice squads with the Niners, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Titans, Patriots, and Seahawks. He played collegiately at Frostburg State. Uh, James Empey, another one of these imports from a different roster the offensive lineman originally entered the nfl as an undrafted free agent with dallas on may 13th 2022 so he's a rookie he played at byu where he was a four-year starter and started all 41 games he appeared in he was an all a freshman all-american back in 2018 so that's your practice squad i want to go ahead and look around the media landscape now a little bit and just suss out the vibes the feelings of folks that do this on the national level for the Miami Dolphins their preseason, and again, that word that just sounds so out of touch coming out of my old man mouth, the vibes, man. <laughs> I can't wait to embarrass my kids when they're old enough to kind of appreciate but not love my dad humor. Uh, but first, and actually, you know what? This all bleeds together with this uh, and the scan of the social segment. I wanted to make a point, or I will make a point, about process. I know a big chunk of the audience has rocked with me since Lockdown Dolphins, and man, that was the buzzword of that podcast and still kind of is here. Process, process, process. More on that in just a moment. And the reason I bring it up is because I love what Dan Orlovsky does from an analysis standpoint. I think too often people get caught up on someone's wins and losses in terms of their scouting notes and predictions, et cetera, et cetera. That has never really mattered to me. Now, if you have good process, your record will take care of itself. But if someone can show me why they have a take, I put a lot more value into that than just firing off a take that has no basis. And like a good example, I think, Remember taking math tests when you were younger? If you just wrote down the answer, you'd only get partial credit because you have to show your work. So with Dan Orlovsky, I always felt that his process is educational and really irrefutable because he's coming at this from a place of knowledge, a place of experience and articulation that just makes sense. I want to stop by Dan Orlovsky corner here real quick and play a video clip from him talking about this Dolphins football team. And also a little bit about Tua tunga here in just a second. But here's Dan Orlovsky talking about Miami. Uh,
3: Miami Dolphins. Um, oh. I think this, I like the Dolphins too. this defense is going to be a top 10 unit still. Okay. They've added or corrected which was their greatest flaw, the offensive line. Sir, mm-hmm. Signed to Ron Armstead. Connor Williams goes over. Some of the younger players got to play well. But two things. Mike McDaniel comes over, an elite offensive mind that is going to get everybody in a situation where they can thrive. And the addition of speed with Tyreek Hill, two it takes off.
0: For me, guys, it's the Chargers.
1: So that's Stephen A. Smith calling the Chargers as his sleeper team. Dan Orlovsky has the Miami Dolphins. Go ahead and finish here with Brian Baldinger. You know I love me some baldy breakdowns here. Here he is talking about the Miami Dolphins running game.
0: A staple of Mike McDaniel run game. Tight end is a motion every single play, like Durham Smythe is. One side of the formation to the other, almost every single play. Now, watch the windback play. This is a staple. Watch the windback play move the Eagles' defense. Everybody starts left. Now let's come back. you got two key blocks here by the fullback and Sherfield right there. Okay? Now, all you've got right here is Mostert and all that speed and two defenders, the corner and the safety, and he's going to outrun them. 26 yards. That's what Mostert does. He understands the offense. Now, let's go inside here. Let's go inside the pits. Watch Durham Smythe come in motion. All right? Now, what's he doing there? He's going to fake at the end and set the end up, take the end's eyes off of the prize, which is Liam Eikenberg coming on the trap. Now, look at what Gaskin has. Look at that. Like, look at that lane he's got. Now, this one here is a thing of beauty. It's just why is the fullback all the way outside the tackle? Why? Let's watch what they do. Like this is a what the, I call this the supply chain issue. Pre snap motion. Watch what I'm talking about here. Watch the alignment right here, right there. Watch right here, okay. Connor Williams, Hunt, okay. Greg Little. They are now cutting off the entire Eagles defense. They can't get there. All right. Now you got this key block right here, and look at this lane right here for Gaskin. Look at this. Like look at all that green grass. They cut the defense in half, and everybody says, oh, they're just an outside zone, wide zone, wide zone, inside zone. Like, look at the inside trap here. Watch how Eichenberg hits this thing. Just set it up. Ahmed, always looking at right here is the free safety. Like, that's all there is. Look at how quickly this thing hits. Like, this thing is going to blow up in Miami. I don't care who's playing the offensive line. It's going to blow up
1: you got to love hearing that from one of the best in the game. So that's the goods, but I want to pivot now to the scan and the social. Let's go ahead and take our last break first and come back and do that here. On the other side, Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation.
0: What's up? I'm John Wall. And
3: I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It is a Friday. I'm off to Naples for a little weekend getaway. Last one for a long time and after this podcast, so I will hope you all enjoy your final weekend before the marathon begins. Earlier, I mentioned valuing process over, or of analysis, I should say, Over takes on takes. And look, I'm not naive to the fact that there are hundreds of millions of football fans and hundreds of millions of ways to take in this game and ultimately get enjoyment out of it, which is great. That's what it's all about. But man, I've just seen this pattern this offseason that I want to adjust. And I know it gets under the skin of all you guys and girls that I interact with on Twitter out there. Certain topics are certainly lightning rods, right? That's true in politics. Hell, it's even seeped into health and medical fields. Uh, somehow here in 2022 everything can be turned into political fodder for some type of uh aha I told you so type of reveal Uh, even some recent events but I see it daily a talk show does it hit the take is under researched oftentimes simply not factual if I had a nickel for every time I heard this summer the Dolphins need to do more if they're going to beat New England despite the fact that there's a three-game winning streak there is in favor of the good guys well I might be able to retire full time to Naples if I had that but Then what happens? It gets circulated. It gets aggregated. It gets trending. Other shows start talking about that take from a previous take. I think this scanning the social segment is just my way of letting you know that it's never going to stop. In a world of confirmation bias, vacuum echo chambers, and trying to be the loudest voice in the room over growth or any thought of education on a topic of previous ignorance... The goalposts will always move. Reasons will be called excuses when they don't fit the narrative, and excuses will be referred to as reasons when they need to. The goalposts will always move until one thing, until you win consistently, then it will change, I hope. But until then, it's going to continue maybe after as well. But at least it won't matter anymore if you take care of the winning. All right, last segment here before the weekend, and it's college football. The Saturday three-pack we're doing this year. If you're a longtime listener, you know that Friday in-season is the Football Friday podcast. This year, we're going to have guests from the opposition's beat to help us break down the upcoming game. But we're also going to do the three-pack of college football games with an eye on draft scouting. And while the Dolphins don't play this weekend... It's your last weekend without Dolphins football until November, but there is, in fact, college football. My Cougs are going to be taking on the Vandals from Idaho eight miles across the Idaho border and into Martin Stadium in Washington for an absolute drubbing, and that's not one of the games that's on my list here, but I just want to put the name on the radar before we get going here. Quarterback Cameron Ward of your Washington State Cougars, there are some Minshew vibes around Ward, who, like Minshew, is a transfer. He's on the Maxwell Award watch list, only 85 guys on that list for the most outstanding player in college football, and frankly, I think he makes the Cougs, in my extremely unbiased opinion, a dark horse in the Pac-12 in their final year of relevance. But uh, All right, the marquee games, Georgia and Oregon. Georgia comes off a national title that featured, for my money, the best defense in college football history. And how crazy is this? Even after having the first pick in the draft, I think their best player on that side is coming back to school. Nolan Smith, keep that name in your mind for next April when the first pick goes up on the clock. Very much in the running for that pick, and at very least the first non-quarterback taken. Oregon has a cornerback, Christian Gonzalez, who has a chance to become the top corner on the board Six foot two, two hundred pounds, length, speed, sticky cover skills. They also have a player who I think could be even better than his brother and former number seven overall pick Panay Sewell, linebacker Noah Sewell. He's literally everything you want in a linebacker. And now he gets to play under Lanning, who was the saw all three of his linebackers go to the league within the first three rounds last year, and Quay Walker. N'Kobe Dean, and Channing Tyndall. So that's interesting to see Dan Lanning, the former DC of the Georgia Bulldogs, now the Oregon head coach. Fun matchup in general. Then it gets even better in terms of preseason rankings. in our next matchup, Notre Dame versus Ohio State. CJ Stroud enters the season as my QB1. Will Levis is making that a debate, though. I think Stroud's release, timing, feel, touch, arm talent, athletic ability. He's going to make someone very happy at the top of next year's draft and what a first test for him because Notre Dame has edge Isaiah Foskey Foskey excuse me uh, versus Ohio State left tackle Parrish Johnson that's a pay-per-view matchup right there Johnson was a guard last year but he was recruited as a tackle and now has a shot to capture his true position and catapult near the top of the draft board and I was going to choose the backyard brawl here West Virginia and Pittsburgh to finish it off but that game's on Thursday so tonight. As I'm recording this podcast, that's not going to work. But let's see here. Uh, where's my favorite player in a big game? Oh yeah, that's easy. I mentioned Stroud and Levis and Bryce Young. If you've got a you know pretty attractive quarterback class coming your way here, always helps draft excitement with those three quarterbacks. But don't sleep on Florida's Anthony Richardson. I think he could supplant all of them if he balls and declares a six foot four, two hundred thirty eight pound freak show athlete with a rocket arm and Cam Newton like running ability. Also for the Gators, a couple of guys in the trenches, defensive tackle Gervin Dexter and offensive guard Osiris Torrance, what a name that is, are both on uh, Dane Brugler's top 50 big boards heading into the season. Then on the other side, Utah will always produce pros under Kyle Whittingham, the uh, number seven team in the country this year. Cornerback Clark Phillips the third is that dude this year. All right, one last note here is that uh, if the season ended today, the Mariners, the Seattle Mariners would be on the road in Tampa Bay for the wildcard playoffs. And I just think it would be so funny. If I get to attend the Mariners' first playoff game in 20 years, 2,500 miles away from Seattle, while all my friends and family have to watch it back on TV, you know that meme of the guy ducking into the backseat of the car with the blanket around him doing that maniacal "Ah, ah, ah, ah," villain laugh? That would be me in that instance. All right, that's my time today. I know it kind of sucked a little bit. I apologize. The defense got the better of us on this podcast. We'll be better next week. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice and our weekly twitter spaces show every wednesday at eight o'clock the youtube channel you can find all the media availabilities dolphins today drive time and fish tank content last but not least miamidolphins.com until next time fins up caroline daddy